0: okay guys welcome to the podcast this is staying alive and i'm louis j and uh, i'm thrilled that you're spending some time with us today and uh on that note man i can't tell you we've only been doing this for a short while but um the response and the comments that i've been getting personally uh, as a result of some of the episodes have been really really cool and so i'm grateful for that and if you're here for the first time um thanks for joining and yeah, you know, I think this is when you're supposed to ask people to do what all the podcasts ask you to do, which is like and subscribe and share. And if you think that this is going to have some space in your wheelhouse, in your mind, in your in your brain, then please follow the journey and let's have some fun together. But for me, it's been a really cool time. It's been a cool kind of development, and hopefully, it's entertaining to to you guys that are listening. It's
1: totally fun doing this, putting it together, doing this, packaging the podcast. You know. But what's really uh, rewarding is seeing those numbers. Like people are tuning in. It's like, hold on. I only have like 30 members of my family, so we've exceeded that. (laughs) So Who's tuning in? It's really exciting.
0: And that's where it's really cool because people that I don't know, which is um, it's always the measure. I mean, you have all the support of your your family and fan base and friends to start you off, and that's like any other business. Like they're really going to be the ones that kind of help kickstart you. And then you make that transition where you no longer rely on them because they've got other things to do and this might not be right in their wheelhouse just because they know me hmm. doesn't mean they really they really care. They don't want to they don't
1: wanna listen to your album. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> want to listen to somebody else's.
0: <laughs> but that's where it's cool because all of a sudden we're meeting a bunch of new people and new faces and and uh, I'm learning about their experiences and their comments back to me have been fueling this whole adventure. So The numbers are improving and like, just like the way I approach business, I've never concerned myself about the money that it's going to bring. I've always concerned myself about the experience that I'm going to create and numbers have never been something that I'm overly concerned about. You know, everybody talks about how many followers do you have? How many listeners do you have? And, uh, I, I quite honestly don't know until somebody tells me the numbers are going up because I don't go spend time there. Um, But that, I guess in itself, is a measure that this is making its mark and it's moving through the airways and into Mm -hmm. people's personal time. For that, I'm super grateful. Like, I think if we can all spend a little time together and we're getting something out of it, that's cool. It gives me the motivation to show
1: up and do this and think about the next one and how we're going to approach and who's going to be on. Right. like It gives me that motivation because it's like, oh. Uh, people are listening, people are watching, and now we can't let them down because they're probably expecting another one, uh, the right. following week. Right. So that part has been absolutely amazing. It really, it, doing, doing this podcast with you and being a part of it, really, it's just, and especially the conversations that we listen to, it's just inspirational, motivational. It gets me through the week. And I can, you know, face the challenges that I have during that week and, and, or what I'm going to attack that week and just look back at the things that, you know, um, we just had a guest on. We're going to introduce that guest today. But listening to what his challenges were starting that business was like, oh my God, like, I would have quit the first day. Easy. Um, but uh, it's just, just interesting. But I, what I do want to talk about right now is that um, this week you, um, you did like a, a Zoom party. For cabin. Oh, yes, yes. Let us yeah, know how so, that um,
0: of course, you know, we're in second lockdown, and that really cripples the opportunity for us to do the business and make sales. And, you know, I've been on a bunch of, of uh, news um, news broadcasts talking about small business, and I hopefully am a, a voice for a bunch of us that are really challenged. Um I said in one of my posts that we're down, but we're not out. And I think the only way we're not out is because we keep on inventing new opportunities. One of them was to create a virtual online shopping party. You know, here we are a barbershop that sells, you know, um, incredible products that make it there uh, make it uh, into the homes of people over the holidays. And that's a big piece of it. Like we've done a ladies night for four years where it's our, it's our number one night. We have, we pack cabin, with um, Ladies Only, their pre-Christmas um, holiday, they they shop and it's it's on their calendars and they tell me about it like every year. It's one of their highlight shopping events. So how could we possibly reinvent that or recreate that knowing that we can't be together? Well, um, we did the big pivot and went online and, and hosted our first Zoom party, our Zoom shopping event. And it wasn't just for ladies. We thought we'd open it up to anybody that wanted to be there. And within the first couple of hours, we had uh, um, over a hundred registrants uh, come through, and then we had 150, and then it was 175, and then by the time the next day came around, we were at 260, um, which was really, really cool because now we can host far more than we would normally in any you know live and in in, uh, in in shop experience. And so, to that point, I thought this is really exciting. Let's put some fun into this. Let's. let's make it a variety show and that's really (laughs) what it was it was almost like i said jokingly that it's like cabin meets the home shopping channel uh hosted by the beverly hillbillies (laughs) and if you were to throw red fisher and you know scuttlebuck lodge in there somewhere you probably had a good indication of what kind of night it would be and then add to it you know musical guests and uh, thought leaders and um, you know uh, our political friends that are in our neighborhood coming in with some messages of hope and some holiday greetings I think that was really cool
1: you also had a lot of crossover promotion from different businesses that were donating gift packages but yes. I also found it really informative about some of the products that you were that you guys sell here at cabin that you know when, when you come here and get a haircut and, and you're looking at something one of your your staff members will go through it but this really gave us an opportunity to all, I want to get one of those cutting boards that, that oh. looked amazing. I hadn't seen them in here yet, and I know you just got them, but when I saw that come out and you were showcasing that, I'm like,
0: I'm, I'm getting that. Well, that's the thing, too. We get a chance to to connect with local artisans and, and put product in the shops, and not always will you get a chance to see them because your visit might have been at a time when they weren't available. But now with the online site... Um, and with uh, our chance to bring it to life at a show like we did on Thursday, uh, it is it, it is a chance to talk about product to get people some edutainment and education mm-hmm. along the way. So I love that part too. The part that I didn't love the most was of course I'm always... Worried about technical glitches and challenges and all that, and that fun stuff. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, you put on a lot of virtual shows for corporate, but what was it like doing your own when it's for you?
0: Well, there's the difference. (laughs) I mean, I'm always conscious of how much I'm spending for corporate. I always like to pretend like I'm spending my own money so that I've, I've brought a lot of value for the dollar. And I was, of course we're looking to gain sales and not spend, you know, given that this business is different than that. And, you know, I have the benefit of, and the, the opportunity to spend some money reasonably, you know, with, with some rationale, but when it came to ours, I really had to do it on, on the cheap. Uh, And I had the, I had the, the likes of all of our team kind of volunteering to put this together. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was interesting because of course I want my production to be as good, if not better than the stuff I do for my clients I certainly use it as a showcase and um, <laughs> we were challenged by the easiest, most uh, obvious way to be able to, uh, I, I don't know, the one thing that you, you can't let happen ever, which is, you know, you're on mute. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and you are, it's about how you quickly change and, and move on from that moment. I mean, we, we actually had a glitch in Zoom that, you know, and all the testing didn't show anything that was going to be a challenge but when people came in they all came in unmuted and you could hear them in the background it's not working i guess i can't hear them i can't hear them i can't hear them and then of course you know somebody that's in another distant land running the show from her house is scrambling to get everybody on mute and of course when you put everybody on mute you also put the camera and the the show on mute (laughs) <laughs> so okay, we, yeah. We came in on mute and now I, I I look at it now and thinking how how funny that is that we produce shows for a living and ours was plagued by the same challenges that we see in the in the real world. Mm. So the fun part is is that, you know, everybody's very forgiving mm. and um and it, well, it it rocks me because, you know, I have a whole plan of how we're going to do this and all of a sudden you got to get back into, well that wasn't what we planned. Um but that really keeps you alive and humble and realize that, you know, uh, even your best laid plans are going to, going to shake you sometimes.
1: Well, it was extremely entertaining. It didn't look like anybody was shaken. You know, just, it's just one of those things, technology. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it does to you when you're starting out. It, uh, it fails and then you figure it out and it was pretty smooth sailing uh, the rest of the way. It was totally entertaining. Love the thing that you introduced where people were winning uh, gift (laughs) baskets And you had an elf showing up at the door
0: live. It was awesome. Oh, thanks a lot, Frank. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had Secret Santa going out to the streets. I was inspired by the likes of like Oprah and Ellen, where it's like you win a car, you win a car, you win a car, and we weren't giving the cars away. But back to your point about local business, this was a chance for us to showcase some of the incredible businesses that are in our community. And we collectively got together and said, hey, listen, I'm going to do this. Would you want to be part of it? And, you know, we get asked for a lot mm-hmm. over the course of any, any given time, like the year, you know, uh, whether it's soccer clubs, mm-hmm. hockey clubs, sponsoring schools, auction items. So, you know, I'm always conscious about the fact that locals give a lot and small business not always can afford to give, give, give. But in this case, I thought it would be a great chance to showcase some exceptional businesses in our neighborhood. And I could probably, I could do this every day and mm-hmm. not cover how incredible some of these businesses are. And showcase what they do but uh it was a chance for us to have some fun with it send out the secret santa greet people at their doors and spread a little sunshine you know um because bob marley said it somewhere around the lines of in the darkness you must you must come out the light that was a piece of light for us and so it was received like that really well um it was it was a a day brightener for sure and i can't wait to do it again and as as a point um all the learnings that you take from your first, your first time out, you know, we're going to be able to put those into the plan and overcome those kind of challenges that we saw in our first episode. But uh, we've been asked now, I don't know, probably a dozen or so emails or, or texts saying, can you please do another one before Christmas?
1: Yeah. And also too, I don't think this is one of those things that just happened Well, it happened because of COVID, but I think once down the road in, in the years, future it's going to be one of your programs that will be there because like you said look at the reach you couldn't fit that many people in this place uh on an evening if you're opened up for ladies night you'll have your ladies night again but what i'm saying is this will be incorporated down the road because it was entertaining it was fun and it was great to see those people's reactions when they received those gift packs It, it was hilarious You know, and you could see all the faces in the Zoom call just like they were all laughing and clapping. And it was it was it was really good.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, I I agree. It's going to be part of our regular scheduled programming, regardless of what our condition is, our lockdown, our open up or whatever. I think it's a really cool way to connect, um, especially when people are time starved. And, you know, this is a it's an hour. Let's spend an hour together and let's make some fun moments and, and smile and share, you know, a night together. Cool.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so is there anything else on your mind uh, these days? I know you have a lot to talk about. I mean,
0: uh, I think everybody's in that holiday uh, mindset right now. Hopefully everybody's transitioned into like all that over there, into this over here, which is smile and happy and be fun. Not everybody gets a chance to share in all of what the holidays have to offer. So um, I think if I was to suggest anything for anybody out there is to reach out to somebody that maybe doesn't have a chance to connect with people um, whether it's on a zoom call or a phone call, or if you can, if you can distance and visit, then this is an important part to go beyond our important time in our lives when you have to go beyond what's, what's regular and maybe be that, you know, friend, that neighbor that um, just has an ear, you know, because I think a lot of people during the holidays uh, need that ear. And I'm looking forward to it because uh, it's of course more family time and, you know we're coming out of a crazy renovation right now, just before we we put up the big tree, and uh, that's right around the corner for us. If not today, maybe tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that and um, and spending some quality time with family. So hopefully everybody else gets a chance to do the same.
1: Well, let's talk about our uh, guest that you have on today's podcast.
0: Yeah, quite a while ago, um, um, a guy came in the shop and was talking about you know he loved the uh, the look and feel of cabin and. Was talking about a business that he had conceptualized and it was around craft beer. And, you know, I wasn't really that, uh, not that I wasn't interested, but I wasn't really, a, you know, I didn't spend, I don't spend time in beer and, you know, certainly not much in craft beer. So I loved his enthusiasm and passion around what he was about to develop because we'd only opened, you know, probably months before that when I first met him. And uh, we shared a lot of the same kind of storytelling there about what some of the challenges would be. Anyway, um, his name's Ross Noel, and uh, he he's not only followed his passion and his dream and made a major transition in his life, and in a lot of cases the story is very similar to mine where, you know, at some point you decide, what else do I want to do? And he went out and said, what else am I going to do? And he landed on uh, one of his passions, which was craft beer and the idea of brewing it and then creating a tap room and and you know, a menu of craft beers that are in and around, I don't know, 15, 16, anyway, at any given time. Um, he's a local business. I love his story. I watched it. I went over to his place when he had nothing in there and, uh, he kind of, uh, along the way kept us involved. And I love that because he said that he's taken a lot of inspiration from how we ran our business. And so, uh, I was very interested to have him on to talk about, you know, some of his, his challenges, um, I want to talk about you know some of the business behind it, you know, and even you know where he gets the name and the story. So, we got uh, Ross Noel from Stonehooker uh, Brewing Company coming in today to talk to us and share some of his insights and story.
1: I find what was fascinating about him and is fascinating about him is that he was in a completely different uh, field uh, as a profession. He was a, a tech tech guy or something, Yeah, like a
0: Bay Street consultant. Never kind of
1: guy. never brewed beer, mm-hmm. uh, and took on this guy like some people doubted him a lot of people doubted him uh in this in the space but uh the fact that to, to see what he's done is amazing um that's that's just focus determination and and everything else uh rolled up in perseverance
0: and all that yeah yeah and he's a great storyteller i mean he's he's definitely um he's a great guy to sit down with and just uh and chatting about, you know, what's going on. And he's got a deep, rich history in the business that he created. And he loves to tell that story. So let's hear it. All right. Roll it. <laughs> mother, well, again, and thanks, Ross, for being here today. I got Ross Noel from Stonehooker Brewing Company with me. And we're going to talk about all things... Beer business and beyond. It's a little different description than I gave you, but it's a good one. Anyway, Ross, welcome to the show. Um, I'm so happy to have you on. I mean, you're you're a, a local business guy. You're a friend. You're um. You've been uh, You've been part of you know cabin since we started, and we've been watching you since you started. And man, have you ever come to life? What a brand that you brought to the uh to the market. And so, I think our our viewers and listeners today are gonna gonna get a kick out of. You know what it takes to really start up and uh, and push hard, and that that has been evidenced by the way that you've brought this brand to life. So, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Louis. I think it's uh,
2: it's mutual inspiration. We've we've watched you uh, from the beginning and uh, been felt like we've been part of it. I think that's been a big a big thing for for everybody in the community. They all feel like they've been part of, of cabin growing up in this area.
0: Oh, that's cool. I'm I'm thrilled to hear that because it's been um, it's been a two-way street, just to your point, you know, like you, you end up putting something out there and you get a response. And when it's favorable, you feel like you're fueled and you just want to keep going. And <clears throat> I'm fortunate I haven't seen the other side of that where it hasn't been favorable. And it's been, you know, a bit of a, let's go try that again. Um, but there's a lot of effort that goes into it and a lot of setbacks. And, you know, um, I think that, that people, no matter what their interest is, whether they ever want to own a business or they're in a business and want to improve it or, you know, just have these visions of what this could look like, um, may not understand all of the efforts and the roadblocks, the setbacks, the the triumphs and the failures. And so, you know, I like to have people tell the story and about how they got there. And, you know, craft beer um, is, I mean, of course, there's this huge popularity for, um the almost the boutique nature of it the the specialty of it and it's grown in interest it's it's now taking up space on the shelves whereas uh, you know 10 15 years ago it was less even more before that but now there's this whole like movement behind craft beer and almost every town you know from anywhere for anybody that's listening there's likely a craft uh, brewery not far from you so you're not far from us and uh, you got a killer name, and you got a great story. So why don't we give uh, everybody that's listening the backstory? So how did Ross Noel come into the love and passion for beer, and like where did you come from to get there?
2: Well, I I had a previous career, and uh, you know I, I slugged it out on Bay Street for a long time, and uh, lived in the tech world down there, and uh, looked uh, at where things were going and uh, what I was doing, and then reached a stage in my life where I looked at myself and I looked at my wife and we looked at each other and uh, said, what do you want to do for the next 20 years? And I clearly didn't want to keep doing what I was doing. It was uh, enough was enough of that. And uh, we, we both have an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, My wife has been a business owner for a long time and uh, we collectively believed in being business owners and it came down to, well, what, what do we want to do? And we looked at, uh, you know, v- we actually looked at a variety of different things. And of course, whenever you get into this conversation with people about, you know, following your dream or opening a business, it comes down to pursuing your passion. And we've all heard that many times. And, and, and so you look for your passion, you look for, well, what is that? And there's certain aspects of business that you can be passionate about, you can, you, you don't have to have something that's as, as sexy as beer to be <laughs> passionate about it. Uh, you could be, you know, selling widgets, but, uh, it's, it's the passion for that business. So, uh, and we all know people that are passionate about their business. So after some struggles in trying to figure out what, you know, what it is that I'm really passionate about, I guess, what snuck up on me was craft beer because I, I love beer. Uh, I tell my wife, I love you almost as much as beer, <laughs> and she's good with that. The, uh, the thing that I've come to realize about beer is that it's, uh, it, it's something that's been part of my life for a long time. Uh, I've enjoyed making it. I certainly enjoy drinking it, and I've enjoyed the discoveries along the way, and there's a lot of discovery that you can do with beer uh, you can travel to other countries, you can go to breweries, you can you can really see the world through the eyes of the beer glass.
0: Yeah, a beer lover. I mean, tours set up around the world to be able to f- hit your favorites or the ones that are really inspiring and you just can't wait to get there. I've Not unlike wine. I mean, it's, it's raised its level and its pedigree is that, you know, uh, I wouldn't say, well, in a lot of cases, if you're a beer lover, it's at the same level, you know, your interest in, in beer could be the interest in wine and, you know, have that passion for it. So I love that. I love that, you know, people have made businesses out of the business of beer beyond just selling beer.
2: Well, it is so much more than beer. And I think that was the thing that really struck me was how collegial the industry was or is Mm -hmm. my first beer festival going to that was that, that was a turning point for sure. That was an eye opener uh, it was an introduction to so many different craft brewers where I was not just going up and sampling their product, but I was asking them how they're doing and how's their business and what's this like to be in this business. And I couldn't have hit upon a more uh, friendly and collegial group of people. And I thought, this is this is an industry I'd like to be a part of. And once I discovered craft beer, discovered the flavors and the 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 opportunity there. And then the people in the craft beer industry, I was, that was
0: it. You were hooked. Yeah, I was hooked. You were hooked. Yeah. Um, Well, that tells me, uh, it brings me at least to the, um, to the idea that you, you you find the passion, you start to pursue that and you, you get into it. And I remember um, in the early days of Stonehooker, uh, you were over at the shop and we were talking about what you were planning on doing. And you said, why don't you come on over and take a look? And I came over and (laughs) I didn't know what I was going to be looking at. I thought we were going to be watching, you know, beer being made and that would have been new for me because (laughs) admittingly I'm not a big beer drinker. However, I do love the taste and flavors of craft beer versus mass produced beer and and, and so when I went over, I saw uh, what would be, I guess, a beer conveyor belt, a box conveyor belt, and a couple of big vats in the corner and a wide open space uh, with somebody that was really passionate about what was about to happen in here. And uh, that was the early days of Stonehooker. What a, what, a, what a cool thing to see from, you know, the point where nothing was there. It was just an idea. And even the name. I mean, um, where did you get the name Stonehooker? I think a
2: big part of the craft brewing industry is to celebrate your community and your local culture and your local history and and I I think it's the the authenticity of craft beer takes us back to a time when things were simple when they were made out of simple pure ingredients and that's what craft beer is all about. So when we go back in our in the history of our community you look at what's significant and I came upon this story just walking across the, I guess, beside the Credit River, there's some podiums by the river there, and there's, a, there's one that talks about the stone hookers and, and that industry, and, and uh, that kind of intrigued me. At first, I thought, really? You're fishing for stones? You're pulling rocks out of the water? But the further I got into it, the more I realized this was not only an industry in Port Credit's time, but it was the most significant part of Port Credit's history was this industry. And then it, it translates beyond that to the city of Toronto, where you look at everything at t- in Toronto before 1915, the whole city was built on stone that was hauled out of the lake. So this is not only a Port Credit story, it's a Ontario, North shore of Lake Ontario story. And it's in fact, a, it's a Canadiana story. It's a piece of our history. That's really not in, in it's not in the history books. No. So I thought, here's a great opportunity to bring this out in a way that attaches itself to an authentic old-school product. And at the same time, it's also a, a name or a word that uh, you're not going to easily forget. You know, it sounds dirty. It's not. But, <laughs> it's not. But it's, it's a lot of fun. We, we, you know, you think about how people are going to order a beer, and if they don't know anything about your product... They're gonna. They're probably gonna latch onto the word, and they're gonna play. They're gonna have some. It's it's a playful thing. It it inevitably ends up being playful. But I'll little story. The first time that I ordered our product in a in a restaurant, uh, it's a Papa Giuseppe's. And I thought I, I want to have this experience of actually seeing our product on the menu, and ordering it, and of course the. The server doesn't know us from, uh, from Adam. I'm not sure if Adam was there. Uh, I think he might have been. Adam's your brewmaster. Adam is our brewmaster, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so every time I use that expression now, <laughs> they don't know him from Adam. It's like, oh, yeah, well, okay. I'm, you know, it's more than an expression now, uh, thanks to Adam. But uh, ordering the beer was an experience because I asked if there was any craft beer on the menu. And she highlighted that there was this new one. It's a stone hooker. And I said, oh, great. How about a stone hooker? And she kind of gave me a wink. And she said, sure, I'll get you a hooker. <laughs> and so, you know, we all had a little laugh around the table and thought, okay, well, this is, you know, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen with our brand.
0: And, and we're okay with that. Well, that's, that's actually a, a really neat point because, You know, in building brands, um, name is really important, uh, unless you have bags of cash, and then you can make any name important. Um, And in most cases, we don't. As small business, as entrepreneurs, you end up, you know, with passion, create a name that, you know, potentially can move way beyond you, and that's the hope. And if you've been able to do it in a way that creates frequency and recall in the mind of the audience or in, in this case, the server, there's a way to be able to connect. And that little moment of humor allows uh, another memory to come into play. And all of a sudden, if somebody can play with your brand in a way that's that's not negative, uh, and this one isn't, and it's it's a play on words. I mean, I've heard everything from the stoned hooker. Yes, I'm going to get you a hooker. Have you been down to the hooker's place down there? You know, you hear <laughs> all of this. But what's happened there is is marketing magic. That's when you've made your way into the minds of the audience in other ways than simply waving the brand flag. You know, you've had them refer to you favorably and with some humor and, and that creates recall. So, I mean, name's an important thing. It is. And yeah. again, unless you have big bags of cash to promote it and make something important when it's not, or have frequency and recall, you really got to rely on the fact that you're connecting in a way right off the bat without them even trying or tasting or, or seeing the brand. It, it, it somehow makes its way into the audience. And that's really cool. So I think that you landed on the right answer, especially when you're celebrating local and the story of the importance of what Stonehookers were doing in, in Lake Ontario and any other lake around the world, because I'm sure that we're not, uh, we're not completely unique. In actually, the way. actually we are. Is that right? That's the,
2: that's another cool thing about it. This industry didn't exist anywhere else in the world. Is that Right. It's unique to the to the North Shore of Lake Ontario because of the geology of this area. There's this bed of rock. I could bore you with the whole uh, ge- geological uh, thing. I'm not the expert on it, but I will tell you that there's this layer of Dundas shale, which was scraped away by the glaciers. So it's just a whole series of perfect events that created this this deposit of hand bombable stone that's just littered on the North shore of Lake Ontario. The industry doesn't exist
0: anywhere else in the world. Incredible. Well, yeah. I'm fortunate in that the, the foundation of my 190 year old home here in Port credit is built on stones that were hooked 25, 30 feet from my front door. And uh, <laughs> yeah. at a time when there was people, you know, doing a lot of different things in this neighborhood, I think that's incredible. I've got that piece of history that's etched into my property forever. So I share the Stonehooker experience. Um, Let's get back to beer. Sure. So you go from Bay Street, you end up creating a brand. Uh, Had you had any other small businesses along the way? Or was this the first venture to jump into something independent? Well, my small
2: business experience was mostly consulting. Okay. So I, I did a lot of full time gigs, did a lot of contracting. And so I was, uh, I was a consultant. And, uh, you know, I had that kind of business where <laughs> when I wasn't working, I wasn't making any money. And uh, it, it would, you know, you'd do well when you did well. But, uh, uh, you know, so we had to maintain books and all that kind of stuff. And I'd had other ideas that kind of floated around. But this, this was really uh, one that I, I ramped up to, and, uh, knowing that, you know, this is not something I'm going to go at and fail. Failure was, was clearly not an option. Mm-hmm. There's too much you have to put up front. There's too much investment. Uh, it's too much of your soul is going to go into this. So the concept of being an entrepreneur and failing a couple of times before you get it right. No, that it wasn't, was, it wasn't on your book. That, that was not on. Yeah. And, uh, it was certainly not on uh, for uh, my wife, Lisa, either. So, uh, you know, when we,
0: when we tackled this, we wanted, to, we wanted to do it right. So what kind of roadblocks or setbacks did you see along the way? Because I know that, you know, from concept to completion, it probably took more than you expected. And, uh, and, and, and anybody jumping in, of course, recognizes, just like a renovation, you're going to reveal things that you had no idea were going to be roadblocks or cause you more effort, cause you challenge. So, like, what kind of what kind of roadblocks and setbacks did you did you see along the way? Because concept is great, location you had you had a conveyor belt that could move boxes, and then <laughs> what happens next? Oh
2: boy! Well, it it does depend on how you look at it. A lot of businesses look like they just pop right up, but we don't always know about the years of planning that went into them. I developed a relationship with a fellow that was uh, opening a. Uh, cidery at West. And I should check in with him to see how that's going. But I remember that that he put together a business plan and tackled it with a lot of planning and a lot of analysis and really had a very comprehensive business plan. Uh, But what he didn't have was a location. So while I was already opening, he was still looking for a location. And it was not possible without a location. Sure. It is possible to build a brand without a location. And sure. there's contract brewers that do that. But I knew from the outset that, that, that my business to find was going to be a bricks and mortar craft brewery. So it did require a location. And the, the concept was initially something that had walkability. I was big on walkability. That's why we live where we live wanted it to be import credit, wanted to have something that was accessible to people. And the the idea of craft beer and, and actually making craft beer and, and making your own craft beer was was where it started. And I jumped from one business idea to the brewing idea by making a, a $5,000 commitment on equipment that I picked up off of all places. Kijiji. Okay. here's my plug for Kijiji. There you go. And uh, hopefully they'll plug me back. <laughs> Probably not, but uh, that five thousand dollar commitment, of course, was a was a paper cut in the big scheme of things. But it started the process, and the, and the process was okay. Now I've got some equipment, and I have to have a place to put it. Where's that going to be? Wanted it to, you know. Then you get back to all your constraints that you're working with, and one of them was it's got to be local. Mm-hmm. I've I've commuted across the city before, and no we're not doing that for this for this venture i need to be it needs to be close to home because i know i'm going to be spending a lot of time there and a lot of time going back and forth so by design i started looking along lakeshore and i basically went from clarkson through into long branch and and mimico as far as mimico and started looking at properties and Opportunities for being able to brew beer, and I started to realize. Of course, I'm learning all the time. It's like you know that the education had started, and I was completely into it and very committed. And that was a good feeling. There was no waffling or lack of motivation here. It was absolutely you know full on commitment. To I was on a mission. You're doing it. (laughs) We're on a mission, and and uh, you know you quickly find out that. Uh, Brewery doesn't coexist very well with uh, residents on the second floor, of course. So you can rule out all those spaces. And it started to look more and more like it's got to have some industrial size to it. And that kind of, you know, capability. And I went quickly from a retail storefront idea, which had the walkability and maybe that, you know, brew your own kind of. Boutiqueness, little DIY the feel. The nano mm-hmm. brewery, nano brewery, and I discovered the location that we're at now. And once I discovered that, I, I or I would say, right around the same time, I, I had also discovered what the relative advantages and disadvantages were for a, a brew your own operation versus pr- production craft brewing. And it really, it comes down to volume. I mean, there's, there's no question. So I scouted out a lot of other businesses that the uh, brew your own places and talked about how much beer they were making on a weekly basis. And most of them were making their money on wine by this time. Is that right? Yeah. Just not Mm -hmm. enough, not enough volume going through there. Mm -hmm. And that's for a lot of good reasons. You look at the pitfalls of do your, do it yourself brewing and Mm -hmm. one of them is packaging. So another lesson along the way, brewing beer is one thing. Packaging is another and if you're going to be in the brewing business, you're not just brewing beer. You're packaging beer. And packaging the beer is half the business. So you need space and you need equipment. And the, uh, you know, it, it it morphed very quickly uh, with all these realizations into the, the the idea that this wasn't going to be a brew yourself place. This was, we're going to be a craft brewery. And so now... I've made a commitment on a space and things start really happening or do they right? Because that's when you start feeling all the setbacks because you, before you know it, you're paying rent. The, the concept is just a concept until you have a spot. So you have to have the spot and then it's planning and acquisition and you, and then you, you're, you're on a race. You're on the race to open and that race uh, is one that's fraught with all kinds of peril, all kinds of pitfalls and, you know, mud holes and, and uh, wipeouts on the side of the road. And you've got to try and keep it between the guardrails and, and keep the thing on the road. So it did seem like it took an awfully long time. Uh, there was definitely a lot of setbacks due to, uh, I would say the most significant thing would be municipal... Uh, loop hoops that we needed to jump through. And of course, you've got all kinds of licensing and everything with a, with a brewing operation. But uh, a lot of those setbacks were, were municipal
0: and we learned a lot of lessons along the way. I can only imagine. I mean, um, any operation, knowing that there is regulatory, there is compliance, there's illegal, there's all of the pieces that a business needs to make sure they're well set into, Add to it, you know, um, production in a, in, a, in a a food environment, something that's safe, uh, and then the packaging that has to happen on top of that and making sure that's safe. I mean, you got a long list of things to make sure that you're checking boxes for. And, I'm, and I imagine by this time, you've got a bit of a team coming in to help out. You've uh, found your brewmaster along the way because you're not actually physically uh, making the beer. You've got somebody that's been doing that for a while. Um, so... When did uh, Adam join and, and be part of the process? There was
2: a, a time, I guess, nearing the end of 2017, when I realized that I was spending the vast majority of my time, which was was you know, completely consumed in the production or the build of the uh, not I shouldn't say production because that's a different word for us now. Uh, it was mostly in the in the plant. Uh, now we divide it up into plant and production. So I was, I was all about the plant. I was all about building the brewery and uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the Ontario Building Code and building permits and all that stuff. So a lot of what I was doing was not brewing at all. And sometimes you take a step back and go, what am I doing here? What's my business. Yeah, I thought I was getting into this business to brew beer. And people would say, have you brewed any beer yet? right. And, you know, because I still along the way, I'm going to all the, the craft beer conferences. I'm developing relationships in the industry. They're asking how I'm doing and, you know, have you brewed any beer yet? And I'm saying, well, no, I spent all my time in uh, dust and dirt and concrete and uh, plumbing and, uh, and building permits and all the rest of that. So I was, I was doing a lot of project management. That's all I was doing. And people would say. Sometimes they'd say, "Do you have a brewing background?" I go, "No." <laughs> oh, but you're opening a brewery. You'd say, "What is your background?" And I'd say, "Well, it's project management." You doing any of that? <laughs> yeah, far too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the odd thing was that I went from being a a, a professional project manager to being a project manager. <laughs> so it's it's a good thing too, though, because you, you take what you have in your toolbox and you and yes. you. You know, this is this is what helps you do what you want to do. You look at all the all the things you have, and that was definitely one of the things I had in my uh, my toolbox. So I realized that I was neglecting the product, and so then we put together uh, uh, a job description, if you will, or a, a posting for a product manager. We wanted somebody that was going to develop product the brand the marketing all of that the packaging the label and we did some recruiting my my wife lisa has been a recruiter for a long time so she does a great job and that's why we have such great people that's a big plus it's a huge plus so we're, we're a good combination i've i've got this huge project and when i need people i just look at lisa and say okay Help. and and she can she can find them um uh, as I say, she, she's done very well for us in uh, assembling the, uh, the the team uh, that that we have or recruiting people. We had an initial uh, person come in that uh, we, we thought would be great. In, you know, she had some ex- experience in the craft brewing industry, and and uh, thought that she might be uh, able to help us. Made her an offer, and she turned it down. Oh boy! So oh. Okay. Is this a um, Ringo Starr story? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, just about. Yeah, Peter St- Peter, Peter uh, Best. Peter Best, and then they went to Richard Starkey. So, uh, yeah, Peter Best uh, uh, didn't take the job, and, and for good reasons. She She didn't want to shaft us. Fair. She knew she was going to be moving out of the city, and we still actually oh, have funny. a relationship because we keep – I know the person that she works for, and – and uh, anyway, that's just kind mm-hmm. of the thing that goes on in the industry. But she was really she was actually kind to us by by turning it down. So we went back, and we went shopping again for a product manager. And uh, lo and behold, I get a few applications, and I'm interviewing a few people. And one of the guys that I'm review or uh, interviewing, wow, well, it's actually it it happened a lot quicker than that. I met Adam Cherry at Tim Hortons, because my place was a dust bowl. Okay, so we had an interview at Tim Hortons. By the end of the interview, he was hired. That's great. Here's a guy that had such passion and continues to have such passion for craft beer. And we, we hit it off. He became that product manager, and then he surprised us because what we didn't realize is that this guy, yeah, lots of people are home brewers, but this guy is so into beer. And into the science and into that, that breadth of knowledge about the product, the, the biology, and just the passion for, for the product. And, and so, it's, passion's great, but he can also deliver the goods. He starts surprising us with samples of what he's, what he's been brewing, and I've got chills going up and down my spine. I'm just like, whoa. And then we we actually, fairly early on, we hit on broad reach. He, I, I tasted this product, and I was looking at this, and this is just fantastic. There weren't that many New England IPAs out on the market. So I thought, okay, we need to put this to the test. And we, By this time, we had a bit, of, a bit of a regular following of folks that would drop in on us on Friday afternoon, including my engineer and a couple of other places, people uh, that that enjoyed the beer tastings we were doing because we were all about the product and all about sampling what's out there. So every Friday, we'd have a little sampling session. So this particular Friday, we assembled all the best, actually, Adam did this. He assembled all the best IPAs he could get his hands on, all the best New England, the same style as Broadreach, and put them out there in nondescript glasses just with a number on them, and we did a blind taste test. Broadreach came in number one or number two on everybody's card. And it was it was one of those watershed moments mm-hmm. where we realized, wow, we've got something here. You, you might have hit gold. Yeah. So we realized also that we didn't want to go to market with a with a lager or pale ale or just something just another beer. We wanted to go to market with something that was going to be a little more, eh, I'm not going to say revolutionary, but to some people it is. To some people, drinking a New England IPA is like no other beer they've ever had. Okay. A lot of people that don't drink beer, we've encountered, they, they'll have a New England IPA, especially they'll have ours, because that's the one we're going to offer them, and they change their minds. So all of a sudden, now they do like beer. They've just never
0: had a beer like that. I have to put myself in that category because that's really what I came into it as. I'm a spirits guy when I am drinking. And, you know, beer is one of those hot days in the summer and you just can't get a better thirst quench than, than a great cold beer. Um, but I think you turned the page for me in, in broad reach. Um, and then I was blown away by how many selections you had in such a short time. It seemed like you opened up and there was this, this menu like a menu of of very different, distinct-tasting beers that uh, in some form or fashion could be loved by anybody despite their, you know, flavor, uh, appetite, or their their preference. So, like, how do you go from, you know, getting that one little, you know, well-received beer that you started off with to having such a selection? I mean, was Adam just coming in to work every day with something else and... Putting it putting it on the wall.
2: <laughs> well, he probably could almost. Uh, it takes a little longer to brew than that. But uh, Adams, he, he has a, a well. First of all, he's got a great passion for it, and secondly, he's got a, a great uh, he's got a great imagination for beer styles and uh, great understanding of, of what what those styles can do, and uh, you know the creativity to come up with something that's unique and tweak it a certain way to give it a different flavor profile and, and, and try to meet the profile of the beer that, that we really are trying to market to our customers. So it, it gets back to marketing, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, where are we? What do the people here, uh, are, what are they interested in drinking? Uh, What are the people that we consider in our, in our marketplace, Interested in drinking? Uh, what can we put out into distribution? Uh, you know, and you you look at the demographics and look at what what people like to l- like to drink. There's the you know there's the lager drinkers. There's always going to be the lager drinkers and uh, the the people that want the uh, the lawnmower beers or the after hockey beers and the, the just uh, crushable, quenchable, uh, thirst quenchable uh, types of beers. And then you get other people that walk in and they say, "I want the darkest beer you have." or I want the one with the, the, the biggest beer you have and uh, other people that are, you know, the, the IPA fans. I mean, the IPA is such a, a huge part of the market now, and I love IPAs, so that we have to make, you know, great IPAs. So it, it really comes back to checking off all the boxes, and uh, we're very proud of our product because uh, we've been able to do that, and and Adam's just, uh, you know, done an outstanding job of, of being able to not only come up with ideas of his own, but take ideas that we give him, even if he's reluctant to brew them and
0: still it out of the park. Well, I'd say that's evidenced by every time I drive by the brewery, um, or I see something on social media, we go, we go into a pandemic, everything gets locked down. The most popular place in town is this lawn on the lakeshore that's just packed and there's even lineups and there's people waiting to be able to be social and connect and they connect over the beer. Um, I love that you built out such a great selection. You've got a great team. And I think it's intimidating for a lot of people that don't know beer, but want to know more about beer. Like I couldn't tell you the difference between an IPA and a lager, um, so I think that that education piece that happens when you're sitting at the table uh, outside at Stonehooker, um, th- the people that are actually bringing that product to you know what's going on. They can give you some great advice and walk you through the, you know, the flight of beers and the samplings. And that's really cool. That's an experience in itself. You can have a little, you can have a lot, but then you find the one that you love the most. So, I mean, broad is is your staple, I think, I would say. Um, but like maybe take us through the difference between the other the other flavors and the types of beers that you have and maybe a little education for anybody that doesn't know you know, the difference between them. I mean, there's obviously a, s- a significant difference between large brew manufacturing and craft beer manufacturing. So I want to help people understand why it is they should look into this direction and, and not only from the point of supporting local, but the idea behind this is maybe a better choice if you're looking for a different choice.
2: Well, to take it from the top, statistically Canadians across the board are drinking less, slightly less year over year, but we're drinking better. Okay. So we, you know, that's where craft beer comes in. And I think what's happening is that people are drinking less of the industrial macro beer and drinking more craft beer. So craft beer is a is a growing part of the market. Mm-hmm. So one of the challenges, of course, with craft beer is that we we love our variety. And we love to make a lot of different styles of beer, especially Stonehooker. Stonehooker probably has one of the widest varieties out there. And it's a it's a blessing and a curse because it allows us to to be very interesting every time you come into our our store into our, our uh, or our tap room, you're you're going to see different flavors on the menu or different cans in the cooler, <laughs> but uh, the challenge is getting it to the people. Uh, if you're in our local area, I I I think we're blessed with great beer, and I think if you if you live in our local area in Lakeview and Port Credit and Long Branch and in this area, then then you're you're blessed with this variety as well because you have access to it. But the, uh, the, the way to get out into distribution in this in this province is through the LCBO and that means that you're either in the grocery store or the LCBO itself. And that's difficult because there's so many people competing for so few spots mm-hmm. on the shelf on the shelf yeah uh, the LCBO is into all the you know they're into everything for everyone so they, they've got the uh, you know, the spirits and the wine categories as well as craft beer. So craft beer is only one part of their business. And with grocery, grocery gets such a small percentage of what uh, they can sell in, in their marketplace that they're not, you know, fully committed yet. There's still maybe a half an aisle of, of craft beer in a lot of cases. So it is challenging getting our product out there. But we do have three products out in grocery now. Uh, I should mention the beer store. There's a couple of our products as well in seven local beer stores, but we're we're keeping that fairly close. And uh, as I say, the 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 one product we have now in the LCBO is our flagship beer. So I'll just pull that up here. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's this guy right here, Broad That's our our first and that's our first baby. That's our flagship, and uh, that's a New England IPA. We've got this product in over 180 liquor stores now, and we're pushing to have another product adopted by the LCBO, and we're hoping that that will that will happen soon. We've made some some, some submissions, and I'm not sure if we brought that one. We actually didn't bring that one with us. Uh, it's Jack the Ripa. Jack the Ripper. Yeah, which is a rye IPA, and I I've, see this is also part of the problem when you bring a six pack. It's six of sixteen, so I focused on what was new. So sixteen is the uh, is the current menu. Current menu, we have sixteen in cans, and we actually have two in bottles. Great. So the premium beers we we put in bottles. The the, the more eclectic varieties like the vanilla porter and the uh, the Belgian triple, and there'll be a, a double chocolate milk stout coming very shortly in time for Christmas. It's Incredible the flavors that come out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a couple of others here, if, uh, if you'd like I can introduce them, because there, this has been a very exciting month for us in terms of uh, uh, beer releases, uh, I don't know where to start, I guess uh, the first one we came out with in December was this new IPA, this is part of our transom series, and we call it the transom series, because uh, here we are, that's the defiance right there, I have trouble holding this beer without opening it. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a delicious West Coast American style IPA. It's got those Western American hops in there, and it's uh, it's straw colored and fairly clear. Just absolutely delicious. Uh, we are continuing to put out a, a different variety of of IPA in the Transom series with every every release. This one in particular is kind of cool because. It uh, celebrates an actual stone hooker called the Defiance, and that's the picture that you see here. That's, uh, that's the Defiance, and that was a, a ship that was launched uh, out of the uh, Humber Bay, out of the Humber River a uh, long time ago. It was, in, it was in service for, I think, 65 years. So that's a pretty tough wooden boat, and it was used for stone hooking, among other things and it was named uh, uh, in defiance of the riparian rights that the farmers were trying to exercise uh, so, so as to keep the stone hookers away from their shorelines. Of course, the shorelines were... Uh, all the stone was being taken up off the bottom, and that was causing some problems with erosion. And so mm-hmm. they had a bit of a fight going on. So this, this ship was called Defiance, and they actually didn't... The odd thing is they actually didn't put the name Defiance on the transom because they stopped... Putting their names on the transom for fear of identification. So there's a little bit of this. Uh, there's,
0: there's a rich history in everything yeah. that you have your hand in, which I love <laughs> because it's all about storytelling. And this one, this one, you can sit at any one of these cans and have a great story. And what a great opportunity to share a beverage, you know, with somebody and talk about, you know, where this all comes from.
2: Yeah, that's that's really a lot of fun for us to be able to celebrate some of this history. Uh, So, moving on to some of the other things that uh, are perhaps more current. Right now, we're going through a, a pandemic and we're all struggling with that to some degree. And certainly some businesses and some people are struggling more than others. We are trying to go about our lives and to continue on. And every day, we count on people being there for us. So that we can buy groceries, so that we can buy gas, so that we can get health care, and so that we can get emergency response if we need it. All these things that we take for granted. So rather than taking them for granted, we thought, let's celebrate this. Let's honor these people with a beer. We have called it Frontline Heroes. Pull that one out there and how best to uh, illustrate that well we put together an art contest and we had various submissions and finally a winner who came up with this design as you can see from the from the can that there's all kinds of different occupations that are represented here and this is our tribute to the frontline heroes that's great the proceeds of this can this is a, a there's more to it. This is also a collaboration. So we collaborated with a local, another local business, because part of what we do is to ask people to support local, and we try to practice what we preach. So we're also supporting local, and so we collaborated with our local coffee guy, uh, Fairgrounds Coffee, uh, Jeff Stinson, and uh, Jeff provided the coffee for this stout. So this is a, what we call a breakfast stout because it's, it's got oatmeal in it, and it's got coffee in it, lots of coffee, and I'm not even a coffee drinker, and I'll tell you, I do like it. It's delicious. So this is a this is a great beer for any time of day. Beer is not just for breakfast anymore, <laughs> apparently not. This is the uh, breakfast of heroes. We went from champions
0: to heroes. It's The breakfast, ed, and by the way, the proceeds of this go to the Compass. Oh, that's great. So, so, that's so if a, uh, if you're not in our local area and you've heard a lot about poor credit in Clarkson and, and Lakeview and the lakes. Um, like any other small town, we're, we're, although very connected to a large town, um, being Toronto, only 15, 20 minutes away. Um, we've got this very village feeling that happens here, this local kind of marketplace. And um, every one of your communities likely has a food bank or a way to be able to collect donations for people in need. And the Compass is one of ours. So that's an incredible initiative that goes back to helping people that are in most need of help. So we, we, we believe strongly in that. I love that you created a product for it and, uh, and you're donating proceeds. That's amazing. It was a lot of fun putting that together. And we had a
2: lot of great uh, players who were, who became stakeholders in the process, the Mississauga arts council who uh, uh, sponsored this as well as the uh, Lakeview community village partners, Uh, who uh, came forward and and not only supported the the artwork, but they also uh, matched in kind the donations that were made uh, to the Compass Food Bank. And uh, uh, Fairgrounds and Stonehooker donated to that. And remarkably and so generously and graciously, the winner of the art contest, uh, and her name's name's on the side of the can here, Uh, I believe she's been... There she is. So Joanne DeGraff, she uh, she's a local uh, teacher and artist, and she put together this label, and she actually donated half of her honorarium back to the
0: to the compass. So that was very kind of her as well. No so good, there's a lot no of good deed goes unnoticed, and that that's in itself. I think when you have this collective energy and. I mean, you just talked about a bunch of business things in there that it just, it's, it's actually, it's mind-blowing. I mean, you're not just brewing beer. You're doing sponsorships. You're doing um, partnerships. You're doing brand activation. You're bringing together uh, um, a philanthropic piece here. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that just went into just producing that, and that takes a small army uh, or somebody that has zero sleep, and I'm sure you've got both going on in your world. <laughs> But that needs to be recognized and commended. It's really it's really quite an accomplishment. Congratulations.
2: Thank you, Louie. Thank you. we are welcome. We're very proud of it for all those reasons, and uh, and it's delicious. Hopefully, we'll be cracking that open by the end of this. Uh, another one that I want to introduce everybody to is the gingerbread ale, which is uh, in the spiced ale category. If you liked our pumpkin ale... You'll probably like this one as well. And even if you didn't like the pumpkin ale, uh, pumpkin ale was delicious, but it's it's been and gone now. It's a, a seasonal thing. And this is also a seasonal beer. We brought this out for Christmas. Uh, it's, check it out. It's delicious. Anything gingerbread, <laughs> seasonal, it's good. We we don't overdo it. I think that's the nice thing about what Adam puts together is he he, he brings out the the notes that, speak to the, the name of the beer, one of the comments that people often give us is they, they, they say, you know, the thing I like about your beer is that it tastes the way you say it's gonna taste. I think that's a that's a nice compliment. They they know what they're getting. They they say, yeah, when you describe it this way, that's that's what it tastes like. And and so it it's true. And a lot of the reason for that is that when we're naming beers and coming up with what we want to call them, we're we're actually tasting them at the same time, and we're thinking, hmm. how does this inspire us? What's wh- what what name does this inspire? Uh, in this case, I will admit we we actually set out to create a ginger beer or a gingerbread beer, and then the question was, well, what
0: what are we going to call it? And we thought, let's just keep it simple: gingerbread ale. I think so that's, that's part of the fun too, and and just your point on you know the the way that it tastes and what they expect. I think part of the fun in being a beer novice uh, for me, it's like trying to determine what is in there, what's that flavor node, what does it what does it do for me, and you know, um, what am I getting out of this this taste? And so I think that's kind of a fun part of craft beer that you don't get from big beer manufacturers. Taste is such a huge part
2: of it. That's uh, when it all comes down to it. We often talk about deliciousness. What are what are we here for? We're here to bring out the deliciousness of craft beer. Uh, sometimes people talk about ABV and alcohol. Oh, craft beer is a lot stronger than this other beer. And they talk. And I'm I'm fairly ambivalent to the 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 alcohol thing, of notwithstanding that we we do need to function and we do need to. You know, drive and and all those things that uh, require a, a certain amount of self governance. Mm-hmm. So you should be conscious of it. But at the same time, it's not why we brew that beer. We don't brew that beer to make it huge and strong because we're just trying to build a strong beer. It's more that we're interested in that in that flavor, in that deliciousness, in that and and bring out the the quality of that beer, and to do so sometimes you end up brewing a, a big beer because because alcohol is a byproduct of the brewing process. And uh, that's, they, they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, that being said, it's marketing. Again, the, the sessionable beers, the, the sessionable being lighter, we have sessionable beers like our light or session IPA, it's 3.9%. You can, you know, it's a little bit lighter. It's not going to knock a, a lighter person off their feet. And then we've got some, you know, dessert beers, which might be a little heavier or a little more of a, a bigger, bolder beer. But, again, very palatable. And and uh, when you compare it to other spirits, they're still light. Right. Right. What's a sessionable beer? I don't I So... Uh, Sessionable is a a beer term that goes back to England where workers would, it's part of their culture to take their their lunch break and then go back to work. But what they'd be consuming at lunch would be a sandwich and probably beer. So it was important that they had beer that was sessionable so they could have their session and then return to work. And hence the the word sessionable. So it essentially... uh, when we, when we talk about sessionable beers, they're not necessarily light beers, but we talk about more sessionable than others. So for example, even our flagship beer, uh, it's a New England IPA. A lot of New England IPAs are in the 6 to 7% range. Ours is 5.4. So it's more sessionable. Got it. From a marketing perspective, that to us is a good thing because it means that you can sit down and have a couple of these and still be able to you know, drive home and so on. Uh, and it's uh, it's an easy drinking, makes it more of an easy drinking beer. On the note, on that note, easy drinking beers. Uh, we also have another new introduction, uh, which takes us back to the, the COVID thing. Okay, so uh, part of the uh, the COVID uh, uh, situation is that. Not only are there a lot of people and a lot, you know, they talk about all the statistics. We're all inundated with the, the infection rates and so on and so forth and the number of positives and the number of negatives. But we, one thing that we forget is how many people in this country at any point in time at the present are isolated, mm-hmm. either quarantined, in self-isolation because they've had to be tested So for every person that tests positive, there's a whole slew of people that are having to be tested. And even though they may be testing negative, they have to self-isolate for 14 days. Right, quarantine. So there's that level of isolation. And then, of course, there's, as a nation, we've closed our borders. So Canada has become a country that is in isolation. And, And a lot of us are living our lives right now in isolation, especially noticeable during Christmas time when we're thinking about whether or not we can have our, our families be with us during the, the Christmas holidays. So uh, anyway, this this beer comes comes about, I think, at a, at a very interesting time for us. Uh, the hops and the ingredients were actually donated by our suppliers. It's an interesting beer because they, they did this program across Canada. They selected 12 breweries and we were... Uh, fortunate enough to be selected. And every brewery is making the same beer, the same ingredients, all Canadian grains, all Canadian hops. And we've labeled it uh, in kind. And as a result, uh, there are several of these out there brewed by several brewers across the country.
0: And uh, it'd be interesting to try them and see how they compare. That's a great uh, great story. And it is very timely. Things come at you for... Unknown reasons, this one could be uh, one of those stories you look at in five or six years and say, do you remember when? Yeah. And look what happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like how creative you are in how we approach these beer flavors and and bring into market something that's timely. It's very, very uh, compelling from a business standpoint.
2: So I'm going to take you to the other extreme. So this, uh, the Isolation Nation is a very easy-drinking pale ale, uh, I believe it's Probably five percent, yeah, five point three. Easy, easy drinking. I I was pleasantly surprised again. It was more delicious than I than I thought it might be. I thought it might be a little bit more on the, you know, kind of less interesting side compared to a lot of other beers. But sure enough, it's it's very thirst quenching and and uh, it it's got some subtle notes to it with the uh, Sasquatch hops, and uh, check it out. It's it, it really is delicious. Easy drinking. We're going to go to the other extreme, which is the biggest, boldest IPA that we have, which is the double New England IPA, and we call this the spanker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. So uh, it, we can have some fun with that because, obviously, if you have too many, then that's considered a spanking. You got it. Uh, the spanker is actually a nautical term. If you look at a schooner that has two masts, as schooners do, the, uh, the, the, the main sail on the rear or uh, aft mast is called the spanker. So it's the biggest, baddest sail on the boat. And it's the one that, you know, potentially that's the boom that could hit you over the head if you're, uh, uh back there at the helm. So, uh. Uh, this one could definitely uh, hit you over the head. It's comes in at
0: 8.2%. My gosh. And it is absolutely full of flavor. Speaking of flavor, I think we may have to just pour something here. I'm going to take your recommendation um, to see what you think might be the best answer for somebody doing my first taste uh, as if it were my first taste. Let's pretend it was. <laughs> <coughs> I'll take your recommendation. You want to do a little sampling, a little taste test and see how we do? Absolutely. Uh, not shy of doing that at all. In fact,
2: uh, I, I, would answer that by saying that most often, if you're not a beer drinker, we actually recommend that you start with this one. Right. And it's especially for those people that say, I
0: don't drink beer. I don't normally like beer. Um, uh, so I don't think that's you. I think you like I'm it. I'm a little past that now, um, although I do love that. It was actually the one that, that got me into it. It's got a citrus flavor, if I recall. Um, but it, it really got me interested in, in beer, which is really why I thought I want to have you on this show so that we could talk about beer and the fact that there's a lot more that goes into it than just putting a, you know an alcoholic product into a can. There's there's a whole passion. There's a creativity. There's there's a lot of... Um, considerations and how you come to life with these flavors. So I think that needs to be celebrated. And I know you, you tell the story online at Stonehooker Brewery, um, Brewing Company, sorry, Stonehooker Brewing Company, um, and they could find out more of that. But really, the, the 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 beauty is in the tasting and the trying. I think that's a lot of fun. So uh, I'm up Absolutely. to whatever you think is the well, best answer. It
2: uh, This time of day, probably... I think those, the
0: hands down winner would be the the breakfast step. Well, that's great too, and it's frontline heroes, and it's it's about honoring and and uh, being grateful for what everybody's been doing. Let's have some of that, then. Sure. Yeah, let's try that. Um, I also want to know, like you know, we we were challenged, of course, like I said earlier about lockdown and pivot and all that stuff. And here you are. You just you had a you had a tap room going. You started doing events. You um, you did tours. You had people in your in your brewery. And uh, and then of course everything changed. And how is it that you go from practically just starting up and opening the doors, and within a little little time frame, now have to change the business overnight? And that's that pivot piece. Um, but you did it really well. I mean, what's the success story there? What was uh, what was the driving force between making it all you know come together in a time when people were failing and they just weren't able to pick up and move on like you did?
2: I think a lot of it is. Survival, uh, like anybody uh, that's in a business, we wanted to we wanted to keep going. We did not we did not uh, relish the idea of shutting down. Right. right in the initial stages, in in stage one, there was that suspense there for probably a week or so, where we were wondering whether or not we were going to be deemed as an essential business. And I'm sure there that. That was an interesting debate in the uh, in the legislature and uh, perhaps behind closed doors where I, I would imagine that shutting down uh, alcohol, retail, and so on would be tantamount to prohibition. And I think there's been enough lessons learned already about what happens when you have prohibition uh, that they uh, wisely chose not to... Uh, not to shut those things down, and uh, uh, you know, there's there's other aspects of of what's going on that I think are uh, where products like beer and alcohol have a have a part to play, and part of it is uh, health and and mental health, and people look at the the simple things in life that they enjoy,
0: and ask that you don't take those away. Right. So, I think there is a responsibility play here too, and there's also this connection to familiarity and actually had um, a guest on a little while ago JT Walberg, that talked about overcoming addiction and alcohol abuse and and you know how in fact you know a withdrawal without alcohol in a lot of cases can be the the nail in the coffin and you know and, and then all of a sudden it made me respect and understand that you know shutting down and 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 preventing people from access to something that they became so dependent on is is so detrimental and I know that's not the story that we're talking about here, we're talking about being responsible and having a healthy relationship with such an incredibly crafted product that um, it does have this sense of familiarity and and comfort in the fact that you're still continuing this part of your life in a way that was normalcy. And, you know, that I think does a lot to your mental health. So I'm happy that you're able to continue. Uh, I saw, like I said, your lawn was filled all the time. You brought music in. You um, you really did a great job of, of stringing together a quick answer that not only kept the doors open, but actually probably exposed your brand to a lot of people that may not have seen it early at any time before. So, like, I congratulate you on that. that Thank you. That in itself, from a business standpoint, um, is big. It's huge. Uh, well, I let's 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 drink to that. I was going to say, let's drink to that. Cheers, right. my friend. Cheers. Cheers health. To all our frontline heroes. Oh, that's delicious!
2: I, this, I, I love the the creamy coffee
0: head on this. You can smell the mm-hmm. you can smell the coffee in there. This is um, this is something that I encourage anybody that hasn't spent any time at their local craft brewery to to go and enjoy and find out which one makes the most sense for you. Um, this is such an easy flavor. I don't even feel like I'm drinking beer, you know, in in my definition of what beer is, because you know I grew up with big box beer stores or beer companies. Yeah. As, that's as a lot of us did. Right? <laughs> most yeah. of us did. <laughs> that's all we knew. I like the height of uh, where we're going with craft brewing. Yep. And I think that that's the local play is great. I mean, there's been so many good things that you brought up during this conversation that, you know, around business and creativity and bringing to market something that's huge. Um, I'd like your, I'd go ahead. Do you want to, do you want to teeter totter
2: back into, I just, I feel uh, compelled to answer some of your, your questions about uh, uh, about COVID and pivoting and so on. So maybe we'll te- we can teeter totter back into beer with every. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a perfect <laughs> with every sip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to speak to that because we we did a lot of work in trying to adjust to the ever changing conditions. Mm-hmm. That was uh, it's definitely kept us on our toes and been something that's well over and above the the regular business as usual that is already, you know, challenging at times, and uh, certainly very busy for us. Uh, we felt that there was a, a lot of drivers in this. One is to to keep going, to try to be uh, uh, safe and respectful of, of our patrons and provide them with, with that comfort level and safety that, that they would expect. And and you know to be compliant and uh, to to do the right thing. So we were looking at what not only what we were required to do, but we talked about what we should be doing and what's best for our customers. So one of the things, for example, is that we started masking right away, way before we were told. We had we already had masks in place. We required that any packaging or any uh, contact with the product meant that operators on our packaging line needed to be masked. They needed to be wearing gloves, uh, one-time use. And, you know, we, we put in a glove policy in the front of our house where uh, you're actually, uh, customers are not allowed to touch product or touch our refrigerator with gloves on. You actually have to remove them and sanitize your hands. Mm-hmm. Those are our rules mm-hmm. house rules because we found that at times we'd get somebody walking in with gloves that they'd been wearing all day mm-hmm. to pump gas and go everywhere and do everything and then now they want to come in and, and uh, handle the product in the self-serve fridge and we're, no no can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So so we, do, we came up with some rules of our own. So we had protocol of our own before a lot of the other things came out that necessitated. Uh, you know the, the other compliance things putting up signs and, and we already had those and social you know contact physical tracing. distancing yeah. and yeah and contact tracing came along so we've been trying to provide a safe and healthy environment for our product and for our people mm-hmm. and and most importantly our uh, our customers and uh it's it's been something that we've been very vigilant about and uh, i don't know if that's the right word but yeah we've uh We we've put a lot of effort into that. So, the the next thing that we were wanting to do, of course, is to to make the most out of the summer. Last year we had a smaller patio. This year we spoke to our neighbors and we uh, had a good response and we decided to expand our patio and we did, and it was uh, it was a great success. It allowed people to feel comfortable to be outside Mm -hmm. to be physically distanced when they needed to be so the tables were set apart and then when we were allowed to provide entertainment which was not until July <laughs> I think actually it was after July because July 1st we could only we spend yeah that's right we, we had to yeah uh, spin vinyl on uh, July 1st but uh, once we were able to get into I guess it was probably stage three then we started to introduce the idea of having some music and and seeing how that would work and we quickly realized that one group of people that is that have really suffered through this pandemic are the musicians. Oh, it's they've, been horrendous. They've, they've taken a beating where they've not been able to uh, perform. People that would normally play, you know, upwards of uh, hundred or more gigs by that time of the year, they had only had, you know, three, or in mm-hmm. some cases, one, mm-hmm. or none. We had we had <coughs> Susie McNeil. Uh, 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 you know, her and her husband Andrew, they played, and it was their first gig. Oh my gosh! And that was in September, so uh, it was it was great to to be able to get the musicians out. They were thrilled to be there, and of course, people were. I had people hug me, even though they're not supposed to, you know, <laughs> and and they were thanking me for bringing live music out because they they hadn't. Heard live music for, you know, in some cases like nine months. Uh, so we carried that on through November, and, uh, and and we were fortunate that we had that that nice Indian summer at the beginning of uh, beginning of November. And uh, you know, sadly, the the numbers have gone up, and they had to shut down the indoor uh, dining, and uh, we've not been able to to continue with uh,
0: service at the front of the house, but we're still. We're still selling beer. You're still selling beer, and you're making yeah, an incredible. Making you're making an incredible product, really. And I think that the exposure and the um, the uh, the chance to try something new is like I suggested. Some everybody should try, just because it's a different experience than I think what you'd expect if you're not a beer lover to begin with. So, thanks for sharing a bunch of information about the beers and the manufacturing, the process, the just the business behind the business. Uh, I think that's very interesting and. I think there's a bunch of aspiring brewmasters out there that, you know, would look at this with uh, you know big eyes and say, I can. And I think you're a great proof point to say that you actually can. You can make that pivot from a business standpoint and follow the passion, follow the dream. And you know, not only put out something, but put out something that gets so well received that it kind of just keeps on fueling you. And it's inspiring to me. So uh, huge congratulations on on everything that you've done with Stonehooker. Um, I always like to ask, just before we finish, if there's anything that you, from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, because we get we got to know a little bit more about Ross here today, uh, that you can't live without anything that's got you know s- such an important part of your life that you just need to have that with you or have it at your disposal.
2: That's a, that's a tough one. That's kind of a desert island question. Sure it is. What are you taking? <laughs> which top albums? And yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could get by with one record. Yeah, no doubt. I, I might have to bring a couple with me, but uh, I, I, I think a lot of lessons have been learned along the way. And, and yeah, if you, if you do a little retrospect and say, how did we get here and what's so important? Uh, obviously, beer. Without a question. Um, obviously, the, that support from uh, your, your partner, your loved one. Uh, my wife, Lisa, has been, at, she's been. Not on my back, but she's been <laughs> once in a while on my back. But uh, there were some times when we were, you know, still trying to get open and uh, it was getting there, but uh, she's had my back all the time and uh, she's been a great partner. So, you know, it depends on what level you want to talk about it. There's there's no doubt that uh, having a, a, a partner, uh, such a key partner in, in my life and my business, um no, no doubt uh, that would be the, the number one. Uh, and then you get back to sort of the more, you know, the more of the creature comforts, obviously beer uh, and music. Music is something that's very important to me. And uh, it's been like beer. It's been with us all along the journey. Uh, even when we've been a, a dust bowl and under construction, the, the, the music's playing.
0: The music's playing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Got to keep the music going. We could shake hands up to our armpits. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the support that you need. It's the little pieces that keep you very happy. Beer could be a part of that. Music's definitely a part of that. And uh, I think that that's had to have a great contribution to your success. So uh, I could
2: give you another answer, too. I could say technology has been a big part of it. Uh, we, you know, we're producing a product which uh, uh, requires a plant that has a lot of moving parts. Sure not only in its uh, you know hardware but also in its software and uh, you know as much as we like to make things in a traditional way, we also realize that we, we live in a, a world that has uh, uh, the, the regular modern complications of uh, tax reporting and uh, sales and finance and, and all those good things and uh, and some supportive shareholders. so it's very important that we, we have uh, we have some technology working for us. So we, we have systems that take us you know from point of sale all the way through and in the back of the house we have uh, we have an ERP system that uh, tracks everything we do for production. So th- the good news is that we embrace that. Uh, I, I'm a tech guy. I've uh, got another person that works for me that's a former tech guy and uh, and our brewmaster is very much into into the
0: technology so, So we've been able to employ those things and leverage those things as well. There's incredible tools out there for business, and tech is definitely a piece of that, and it's making our lives a little easier along the way. So I'm glad you said that. Um, Ross, where can uh, our listeners today find out more about Stonehooker?
2: We have a website that we like to have everybody take a look at because it's always interesting stuff on there. Uh, Our beers will take you there. Our events will take you there. Uh, you will
0: find our events there, and you'll find out more about us there, and that's Stonehooker.com. Stonehooker.com, and I love your um, I love your staff photos. Uh, probably one of my favorite spots. And the history behind it, it's amazing. So visit Stonehooker.com. I have Ross Noel today from Stonehooker Brewing Company here, and I can't thank you enough for the time you spent for giving us a little insight, a little information, a little entertainment and education. So thank you, Ross. It's my pleasure, Louis. And for everybody listening today, thanks for spending time with us. I'm Louis J, and this is Staying Alive.